When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. From Pod World Headquarters, this is the Carolina Insider from Learfield IMG College. We're back. Time for another edition of the Carolina Insider. Jones and Adam here with you. Adam. Hello. Hello. That was a cheery hello from you. I'm I'm trying to ratchet it up. Game day. It's game day. Oh, it is game day. Yeah. Now, the game won't actually take place until like 12 hours from now, but it's game day. 9 p.m. starts. Not feeling it. Not feeling it. I know we've talked about this before. Loved them as a kid because somehow that felt cool, but I'm no longer a spring chicken. And these 9 p.m. games are a challenge. That's so late. You know what it is? And no one gives a toot. No. Thanks for getting us the explicit label, Adam. (laughs) It's not the game. It's the stuff after the game that that takes a long time. Like if... Look, Adam can't just create these (laughs) tear-jerking masterpieces off the top of his head. It doesn't just happen, people. So, we'll talk very briefly about this latest game because I don't know if there's a lot to talk about in the matchup with Louisville. We will then chat with Armando Baycott, Tar Heel freshman, big man, had fun. Armando's got a very fun personality, and we didn't even talk a whole lot about basketball. We talked some, but not a lot, uh, with Armando about basketball, so I think you'll enjoy that. And Adam has a list. We have other things to talk about as well. 
Adam. That's right. That's right. You know what always gets me in a good mood? The Pinehurst Resort. Ribeyes in your pants. Experience the cradle. A 780. I'm not even. Look, I'm not even listening. A 789 yard short course that the Golf Channel calls the most 10. Wait, the most fun 10 acres in golf. Visit Pinehurst.com and plan your next golf getaway. Adam, the Tar Heels were in Louisville and found out right before the game that neither Justin Pierce nor Garrison Brooks was going to play. And, Adam, I'm going to be honest. As soon as you found out Garrison Brooks wasn't going to play, it didn't feel real good for the Tar Heels. You didn't feel like that was going to give Carolina its best opportunity to win. He's just been their their most consistent player. I think he really has become the leader of this team. And when he wasn't, he wasn't even at the game. He could, didn't even leave the hotel because of the high fever that he was running and wasn't feeling good. And, man, just another brick in the wall. Unfortunately, we have some experience in this field. The news that Garrison Brooks would not play hit very similar to the way that the news that Cole Anthony would not play against Wofford. But the problem was Louisville's a lot better than Wofford. And so it just it felt very ominous knowing what Garrison Brooks brings to the team, what Louisville does well, what the Tar Heels would need in order to be able to combat what Louisville does well. All those things, you put them together, it didn't, didn't feel very optimistic. As far as the game itself, 17 turnovers that turned into 18 Louisville points. There were even a couple times, and Coach Williams referenced this in the postgame, where Carolina itself forced a turnover, but then turned it back over, didn't even get a shot. Like They got into the open floor after the turnover, but never really could hold the ball and turned it back over. That in the rebound, Louisville just, and Louisville's a good rebounding team. You took Carolina's top, at least statistical, rebounder away with Garrison Brooks out. Justin Pierce has been a solid rebounder as well. And you just then all of a sudden, it was such a big advantage for the Cardinals. 14 offensive rebounds for them, although they didn't turn it into a bunch of points, but it just signified how the game went. We've now seen many of the candidates for the national title. And the, the primary ones right this minute seem to be Louisville- that, that we've seen. Louisville, Gonzaga, Duke. I think, I mean, you can throw Florida State in there if you want. Who do you think's the best? Oh, I, I, I am nervous to even say this. I think Louisville and Gonzaga are, are good, are really good. It's been so long since I've seen Gonzaga, though, I don't even remember. I remember thinking they were good. Mm-hmm. But this is also one of those Duke teams that could end up doing it because I think like their 2010 team is was similar to this. Yes, very similar. In that 
it was a little bit of a down year, I think, nationally. And they just found a way to do it because they've got a good coach and a winning culture and they figured out how to do it. Um, but in watching the team, I still think the best player that we have seen is probably Vernon Carey from Duke. Although Jordan Wara is really good. I know he's had a couple games that he hasn't been good this year, but man, he was good the other day and didn't even really didn't even really have to engage fully. He didn't seem that interested in right. what he was doing other than he just tossed in a couple threes. Because of the way the game went. Right. So I, I do think all three of those teams are probably good, but also, I mean, this is the honest truth, Adam. I have paid less attention to basketball this year because of how things have gone for Carolina. Just my interest level in watching other teams is lower because you know the Tar Heels aren't involved in that conversation this year. So, like, is San Diego State good? Is Baylor good? Is Kansas good? I guess. I haven't really seen them. I watched about seven minutes of Baylor-Kansas, and it seemed like a pretty high-level game. I watched some of Oregon-Arizona on Saturday night, and it just made me sad because I remembered that the Tar Heels had beaten Oregon, and they looked pretty good against Arizona. But now Carolina doesn't look as good. The Tar Heels were 6-1 after they beat Oregon. Peyton Pritchard is good. So, yeah. I mean, I think I trust Mark Few more than I trust Chris Mack. Only because there's a greater body of work at this point of time. But Louisville's got some good players. I never fully got the impression as we were sitting there on Saturday that they're entirely all on the same page. It seemed like there were times where they would just kind of lose interest and or be doing what they individually wanted to do. But I, I think if you, of all the teams we've seen, if you could get everyone to fully buy in for three weeks, who would I least want to play? I think it would probably be Louisville. I think Gonzaga, Gonzaga, part of what made them look so good was it was such a big deal that Carolina was there. So they were amped. But I would assume they'll be amped for the NCAA tournament, too. I choose to decline to pay attention to the NCAA tournament. I texted you this this weekend. Apparently, Miami and Virginia Tech played a triple overtime game last week. I had no idea that happened. In a normal year, I would be like, yeah, triple overtime, ACC hoops, let's go. You know who I thought played well on Saturday? The last five guys who played the last two minutes. Robbie O'Han, Shea Rush, Ryan McAdoo. K.J. Smith. K.J. Smith had a nice assist to Caleb Ellis, who scored on a backdoor feed. Those two minutes were almost the most enjoyable two minutes to watch because they they executed consistently and dove on the floor. Caleb Ellis was diving on the floor. I like those two minutes. I didn't like what the score was at the time those two minutes took place. Adam, anything else? I thought our friend Christian Keeling again competed. Didn't shoot great. He really did. There was that stretch. Was it early in the second half where Louisville came out of the halftime locker room and just dominated the first two minutes? And even, I think they only added two points or something on the scoreboard. 
but it it was blocking shots, getting rebounds, forcing fouls. I mean, it was they were just coming out and pushing everybody around. And Christian Keeling wasn't gonna take it. And so I mean he was down there against I it was Malik Williams, yeah. I think, who had a great game and is a good player. Seventeen points, nine rebounds. But Christian Keeling was down there scrapping for loose balls and rebounds with him and he showed some 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 big time intensity for sure. And again, you take the good with the bad because Christian Keeling also fouled a three point shooter again. And and that's kind of the the way it's gone. But I think on balance, the intensity he had was impressive. And I was talking to my son about it after the game, and he was like, I was a little worried about Christian going against Malik Williams. I was like, if there's one guy on the team who I think would at least be willing to stick his nose in there, it's probably Christian Keeling. So I'm glad it didn't come to blows, but I was right there with him, if need be. And I'm sure that made him heartened. So the Tar Heels, four games left in the regular season. They're at home tonight against State. Then they go to Syracuse, back home versus Wake, and then on the road to Duke. Then the ACC tournament, where the Tar Heels are going to have to win five games in five days to have an invitation to the NCAAs. It has happened once before. Syracuse in the Big East did it. That's the only time. Tall task, to be sure. Okay, let's get to our conversation with Armando Baycott. We'll come back out of that. We have a lot more to do before we get to Armando. A reminder that whether your favorite seat is courtside or upper level, you can go to StubHub, grab 100% verify tickets, and you know you'll get in. StubHub's been hooking fans up with amazing seats for nearly 20 years. StubHub is the official fan-to-fan ticket marketplace of Carolina Athletics. StubHub, be there. Adam has already deemed the final two minutes of action in the group on the court our champions of the court of this past weekend, highlighting MVPs from the last game with a little hat tip to Christian Keeling as well. Brought to you by UNC Healthcare. Dedicated to caring for champions of all kinds. And to help keep you and your family in the game and at your very best. See their lineup at unchealthcare.org slash sports. Now, Armando Baycott. We'll be back, chat with Armando, come back. A lot more to do after that here on the Carolina Insider. I am excited about today's podcast guest for two reasons. Number one, I think this person has spent more time on the Tar Heel Sports Network this year than anyone other than Jones. Yeah. <laughs> because it seems like after every, po- after every game when there's a post-game interview, it's always with Armando Baycott yeah. every single time. I love it. Yeah, see? And then uh, number two, because I have been told that this gentleman is the most current player on the team in terms of fashion, music, movies, things like that. Yeah. Which we're very current in those things, also. Obviously, really? really? Yeah, that's <laughs> what I heard. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, didn't Garrison Brooks tell us the one guy you've got to talk to? Yeah, is Armando Baker. He said, "Now be careful. 
You don't. I have no idea where yeah. that conversation is going to go. The though. most interesting on the team for sure. <laughs> that's what. That's what Garrison said. Why? Why are you the most interesting Tar Heel in the world? Um, I'll just say with my diversity, just with like you said, style and music. Like I listen to all different genres, and uh, I'm real big in the style. Like a lot of stuff I do. I mean, I got the different hair. Um, <laughs> I mean, I wear snake earrings. I do a lot of different stuff. Whoa, wait, you wear snake earrings? <clears throat> yeah, yeah uh, I got a pair of snake earrings. Um, I wear long cross earrings. I do a lot of different stuff. Okay, uh, we got a lot to talk about. Let's start with the hair. When, when did this become like an Armando <laughs> Baycott signature? I mean, I think it was like after the first game, I was like, I did like the two um, uh, ponytails, like... <laughs> But it, I wasn't doing it for style last year. It was just like my hair was long, and it was like hitting me in my eyes and stuff every time I would jump. It was for function. It yes. was a functional choice. Yeah, it was. And then, like, I saw, like, I looked online, like, I guess after the game, and I saw, like, a lot of people were, um, like, uh, mocking me and stuff and posting videos. Hey, we're not worried about the haters <laughs> online, Mondo. No, it was actually, like, a good turnout. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> actually – a lot of different girls was like around campus just sending me videos there with the uh, ponytails and pigtails. And I was getting a lot of memes after the games with just like bunny ears and stuff. So I thought it was kind of funny. I, at some point, I was at practice when Coach Williams told you if you were going to wear your hair <laughs> like that, you better freaking play. Yes. Did, did that go into your thinking at all that, all right, <laughs> if I do this, I got to get double doubles? Oh, for sure. I mean, before the season, uh, he would always mess with me about my hair being all blonde. So I like, kind of took it out just to not have that much pressure on myself but then I kind of switched it to like a lighter brown when I got now but yeah he definitely told me about that all the time because he would refer back to Kobe White because he had pretty crazy hair so he was like I got to perform kind of on his level so <laughs> okay now I want to make sure about this too how, because Garrison was here for two years before he actually told us how to pronounce the name of his hometown yes. how do you want us to pronounce your last name Baycott. Okay. Okay. So we've good. been doing it right. So we're right. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing it good. Okay. There was a lot of discussion about that before the year started. <laughs> Bacot, Baycott, we weren't sure. I'm glad we got it right. Yes. Um, okay. Obviously, this year hasn't gone wins and losses wise the way you or anyone has wanted. Take us through kind of your mindset, your journey so far this year, and, and how it's all gone from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, my journey, uh, well, I mean, obviously, I started off doing really good and just um, I mean, it was a lot of fun just how the season started off. I thought I was playing pretty good. Um, then uh, the Ohio State game, I hurt my ankle, and I feel like that kind of changed a lot. Just that little stretch I had, tough stretch, just trying to battle through the injury and just also just I went through like a huge slump. And, I mean, it definitely just messed with me a lot mentally. But I feel like now I'm in a much better place just figuring out how to play college basketball. I mean, Garrison, he's been a huge help too because, I mean, he was just telling me stories about like how he like kind of just – hurt himself mentally as a freshman just because he had a tough stretch. And, I mean, he kind of got through, thrown out there in the fire just early as a freshman. But having him definitely has helped me a lot. And, I mean, just his progress and how good he's been playing has kind of been rubbing off on me. What do you think is the biggest obstacle to being consistently the the double-double guy who we've seen you be from time to time? Yeah, just like you said, consistently just going out there, having to play hard every single game and just – Figuring out my opponents, I mean, I played against, I'll say, I played against all the good bigs this year, so it's been tough just having to go out there and just adjust to their physicality or just, like, the way they play because, I mean, they've been out there and they've kind of figured out the college game, so it's been tough. 
How, okay, so as we know, there have been a lot of games that have come down to the end, and unfortunately they have not gone Carolina's way. That is something Carolina is used to being on the other side of. How do you not let that get into your head some? How, how do you just try and go, you know, oh boy, here we go again, or gosh, we're so unlucky? How, how do you try and push through that? I mean, obviously it's definitely been crushing us, just some of the losses we had this year, but we've just been staying positive every day, just – coming in ready to work, and I mean, the tournament, we really banking on it. We really do feel good about the tournament, um, ACC tournament, and how we can go out there and play and perform. We feel like we can compete with all the top teams in the ACC, and just the way the season's been going, I mean, it's going to have to go our way eventually. Have you really been able to stay positive? I mean, it, it seems like that would be so difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like after the games, I mean, we're devastated. We're hurt. I mean, it's players in the locker room, just emotional, and just we're just sad, but the next day, we just come in with a positive attitude. I mean, Coach, he's really been positive through it all. I mean, Coach, he's never had a losing season. And obviously, the waiting season has been going. It's been a losing season for him. But just I've been so surprised just how, how positive Coach is. And he's coming into work and just his never-quit attitude and mindset. I feel like it's been just going to all of us, too. Coach has talked a lot about doing little things better. What's, what's one little thing that you feel like you could do better more consistently? Definitely, I mean, um, just like taking every play like seriously. I mean, against UVA, I had 16 rebounds, but I gave up a crucial rebound in the end that led to two points. So it's just like looking at every play in serious and not letting the small things just affect the game. All right, you've gone against a lot of good big guys this year. Has that been difficult to change the physicality from high school to college what, what's what been the biggest challenge in going against uh, these consistently high level guys I mean definitely just the physicality I mean because in high school I was just bullying everybody but now like just like you Adam you're yeah, just bullying that, everybody. that's how I play <laughs> just like Adam yeah <laughs> just bullying everybody but now just getting used to not being able to just get people with the first bump and just having to find ways to be creative and score that's been like a huge thing that's been I've been struggling with but I feel like I've been getting a lot better at it though where where do you think you're better overall than you were even a month ago? Uh, I would say running the floor. I feel like I've been getting a lot more easy layups. I mean, at the beginning of the season, it was kind of non-existent, just like the easy layups. But, I mean, I got a couple versus Duke, and then I saw, like, okay, like, I can get a lot of easy points from this. And I just really, I feel like I've been doing a lot better at that. All right, take us off the court. You said you got a lot of different interest a lot of different music a lot of different what is uh the life of Armando Baycott away from basketball I mean away from basketball I'm always listening to some type of music if it's Travis Scott Tyler the Creator uh Trippy Red those some of my favorites I don't think y'all know who those are no, well, hold I, on. I know the first two and I have no idea who the third one is <laughs> now I was gonna ask you about Tyler I don't get Tyler I mean I don't get him I don't either. get <laughs> what is Tyler what is the appeal of Tyler the Creator I mean it's just like real like Honestly, he's a real weird guy. <laughs> yeah, he's weird. Like, his music is a lot different. It's like a community of people that really listen to him. So it's kind of hard to explain that. But obviously, if you're not in, you don't get it. Yeah, so I think Armando's saying we're not in the I club, think he's right? saying that we're not yeah. cool enough in the nicest cool way he could possibly say. Yeah, I don't know if y'all cool enough. For <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, so last year when we had Leaky on, he was the first one to tell us about DaBaby, and that was before DaBaby was big. <laughs> uh huh. So who can you tell us about that right now nobody knows about that next year when we're sitting here we'll be like, you remember when Mondo told us about this person? Don Tolliver. Um, he was ready. Yeah. Yeah, Don Tolliver. I feel like he's going to blow up. So just remember that. So tell us something about him. He's like 
a singer and a hip hop artist in like the same. So like his like melodic flow, I feel like has like the potential to really blow up. Can I actually listen to him with my kids in the car? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can. Actually. Well, hold on. Do you think I can listen to the baby with my kids in no. the car? Okay, no, no, good. No, no, okay, no, just no, checking. No. Everybody's no. on the same page here. Yeah, the baby, no, for sure not. All right. Oh, good. Go down. I heard you just saw Parasite. Yes. What yes. did you think? Oh, that was a good movie. Have you seen that? No. Because I don't want to read all that stuff. Oh, my gosh. It was a good movie. At first, like, it was tough to watch just because, I mean, it was all in Korean. So, like, yeah, I'm I don't know like, Korean. And at first, I thought I was watching the wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, are like checking your tickets? Yeah, I was, like, making sure. Because I watched it online. I streamed it online because uh, KJ had told me to watch it. And, I mean, it was a great movie. Um, yeah, it was a good movie. If it was in English, would everybody still think it's as good as they do? Or is like the appeal that, oh, it's something different? Yeah, I feel like the fact that it was in Korean, it was that good. I feel like that made it a lot better. All right, what else outside of music do you like? Uh, fashion. Uh, me, Cole, and um, Huffman, we're all real big into fashion. And we always making jokes with each other. Like we wear outfits and we do like all type of rankings on the team with the best dress. Well, let's go ahead and hear them. Well, okay, this is the rankings as of right now. Of course, I'm number one. <laughs> do Cole and Huff agree with that? No, they would both uh, disagree, and they would put themselves at number one. <laughs> and then I'll probably have to put Cole at number two. I mean, Cole, his shoe collection is ridiculous. I mean, Cole, he, I mean, obviously, he come from a pretty, like, rich family, so. <laughs> <laughs> so he's cheating, basically. Yeah, he's cheating, basically. He can get anything he want. Um, Huffman, he has a crazy shoe collection, probably the best Jordan shoe collection on the team. I put him at probably four, and KJ at number three. I like KJ style. KJ got good style. Now, most importantly, who's at the bottom? Yeah, who's the bottom three? Ooh, the bottom. We got to put CK at the bottom. CK. <laughs> <laughs> CK, yeah, we mess with him all the time. Say he got the worst style, and he get real mad. <laughs> Who else is down there with him? Ooh. Uh, it sounds like he's not even close. Like He's at the bottom. CK five. at the bottom for sure, and then I might got to put – Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> oh, hey, probably oh, hey. Oh, come on. How about uh, I am so impressed with, so unfortunately, as we know, Anthony Harris is in a suit during the games and sit out there with you guys. The shoes that Ant pulls <laughs> off with the suit, impressive. Oh, yeah, the Jordans. He kind of cheating, though. He don't like wearing dress shoes. That's really what it is. <laughs> well, but was it last game he had on the sparkly yeah, shoes? Yeah, and on like sparkly dress shoes. He looked oh yeah, like that he was could, impressive like, though. Yeah, I was surprised he actually wore dress shoes that time. Can he click those together and go back to Oz? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> okay, so couple weeks left in the regular season. What needs to happen to get what needs to happen to get over the hump here? What what needs to happen for the Tar Heels to get back to to where I know you guys want to be? We just got to finish. We just right there like if we just can finish a game, I feel like it can springboard on the more stuff. And just create some momentum going into the tournament. Okay, now that's all inspirational stuff, but I got a real important question for you. <laughs> you have a tattoo on your neck. Yes. Does that hurt? <laughs> no, it actually didn't hurt. Not There's at all. There's no way that's true. Actually, the neck tattoos probably hurt the least out of all my tattoos, I would say. Which one hurts the most? Probably one I got on my chest. Really? What was it? Garrison said the one on his back. The one on his back. Do you have any on your back? No, no back tattoos. But his is giant. So he said, like, he got to, like, two letters. He's like, maybe I'm done. I know. That's how I felt on my chest tattoo, but not yet. I'm going to catch him, though. After the season, I might come back with a 
Y'all might be looking at me like, is this Chris Anderson? <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm joking full with y'all. Body <laughs> I'm joking with y'all. I ain't going to go that crazy, but I'm definitely going to get some more tattoos, though. Have you ever thought about getting two podcast hosts like, yeah. tattooed on oh, you? Yeah, get one, I was thinking about it. Get a face <laughs> on each bicep, maybe. Yeah. You flex <laughs> so, like, after you dunk on somebody, you're like, boom, Jones and Adam. <laughs> I might look into that. I might look into that. When did, why'd, you start, why'd you start getting tattoos, and why'd you keep getting them? Because I think some people may do it once, and, and that's it. See, that was the main thing with me. It was either I was going to get no tattoos or get a lot of tattoos. So, like, the first tattoo, you know, I had to get my mom's name just so I can get the, like, tattoo in there, you know. <laughs> She's excited about that Can't one. Can't say no to that. Yes. And then I was like, okay, like, all right, I'm a, I think I'm going to get a lot of tattoos. And, I mean, you look at Cole. He got his first tattoo, like, in September, and he already got, like, seven, eight tattoos. So, he's been going crazy. Do you know – what like do you have an idea for what you want before you go in or do you just decide like you know what i need one right here i'm gonna go in there and see what they can do for me yes that's the crazy part about me i just like improvise like i just go in there and i just think of some stuff that's why you look at a lot of my tattoos and you're like okay like what is that (laughs) (laughs) seems like a big decision to make on the fly yes i mean i feel like that kind of defines me though like (laughs) I'm just a weird dude. I do a lot of stuff on the fly. <laughs> so what's one that you had no idea about when you went in, but you're kind of proud of how it turned out? Like? <laughs> uh, probably uh, I got one on my on the back of my arm. It says Cactus Jack. And, like, nobody knows what it is. And Jonas, he jokes with me a lot on my tattoos. He gives me a hard time about my tattoos. And it's, like, it's a record label um, founded by Travis Scott, and I just like all the artists in there. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get that tattooed on me. If Jonas was going to get a tattoo – what should he get and where should it be? Oh, that's a good one. Um, he probably get like a four F one fifty truck on his bicep. I feel like that's him. <laughs> I feel like that's him. Um, talking about Jonas and just you dramatically changed your body during yes. your final year of high school basketball, and I'm and I'm sure continuing on this year. How challenging was that? What did you do to to try to get in better condition? Oh, yeah. I mean, before I came, I'm thinking, okay, I went to IMG. Like, I'm going to be ready. Then the first day, like, I thought I was already passed out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jonas, he's real creative with a lot of the things he do. And obviously for the freshmen, when we first get in here, we don't even touch weights. So it's like we're doing, like, ISO split squats and just body weight stuff, and it's just killing you and breaking you down. Who's the guy who is most impressive to you in the weight room in terms of what they can do pound for pound, not necessarily the biggest? Pound for pound, probably Caleb Ellis. He's, I mean, he. It's nothing he can't do. I mean, he one of the top benches. I say on the top, on the bench is probably like Caleb Huffman, Ryan, and probably me or Garrison. But Caleb, yeah, he probably strongest on the team. That's because he's from Cary, and that's where the real athletes are from. That's yeah. where I'm from. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I get it. Okay, <laughs> I see the correlation. <laughs> um, is it hard to have fun when you're lo- I mean, I don't mean obviously you want to win. Yes, but is it hard to still have fun with your teammates with you is that hard to do when the results aren't there yes I mean for sure it's definitely tough I mean because like I said we all want to win and it's just been tough for us so I mean we always walk around and you get people like just encouraging us but it's like we really don't even want to hear anything just because how the season's been going but um yeah it's definitely been tough but I could say out of all the teams I done played on it's probably the funnest I done had just because I mean we got a great group of guys um Obviously, the seniors, I love them all, and just everybody on the team has just been real positive. I mean, we find ways to have fun. We all connect, and, like, it's a great group of guys. Have you ever been a part of a team that that wasn't successful? I would think most guys who have reached this level have always been 
a part of teams that that win? Um, probably not. Honestly, I mean, in high school, I was fortunate to play on a lot of good teams. I won a state championship, national championship. I won a uh, a gold medal, Peace Jam, Jordan. I won everything, every championship you can win in high school. I won, so I was fortunate enough. But I feel like I've learned a lot about myself, and just feel like a lot of stuff that I was lacking, I learned this year, though, for sure. Like what? Just, uh, just learning how to fight through adversity. Because I mean, like. I probably only lost four games in maybe like three years, so I just learned a lot about that and just um, just being a better teammate too. Just not um, relying just on people to make plays, but just going out there and doing it myself too. One thing I hear Coach Williams get on you about some is dunking the ball. Yes. I have never dunked the ball, and that might <laughs> surprise you. So when people like me are watching the game and we sit there and go, oh, why didn't he dunk that? What is a reason that if you're capable of dunking, you would not dunk that? And, and how have you tried to kind of get better at that since he's mentioned it a lot? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I just – sometimes I'll be looking for contact, so that'll lead to me just laying the ball up versus dunking. So, And I feel like a lot of times when I just go up and dunk it, it's just an easier finish. So, I mean, Coach, he's definitely right about me just sometimes just trying to lay the ball up versus dunking. Is that a mental thing more than a physical thing? Definitely just a mental thing, just not trying to get my shot blocked. But, I mean – it really doesn't matter. Like, I should just not even worry about it. I mean, it's about free throws. You struggled early in the year oh, yes. free throw-wise. <laughs> but the last, and I'll pick a number, I don't know, like 20 games, you've been significantly better at <laughs> the line. What What was that journey like for you? Oh, man, the first game of the season, I was shot like one for six. I'm like, oh, Lord, like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, versus Notre Dame, I'm like, okay, I cannot be looked at as Shaq this year from the free throw line. <laughs> And then, like, even after that, like, a couple games, I'll just go up there, like, thinking, like, I can't miss this. And then, like, yeah, I think it was versus Oregon. I shot 9 for 10. I'm like, okay, so, yeah, I'm back in rhythm with my free throws. And, like, even now, I mean, Coach, he looks at me to shoot free throws and knock him down. I'm in, in tough positions. And I feel like that's definitely helped me a lot. And then I realized, too, like, I need those easy points, too. Just talking to Big May just about – he was a pretty good free throw shooter to be a big – and he was just telling me how I can get a lot of easy points at the free throw line. And I started just working out the practice, just shooting 200 free throws, doing stuff like that just so I can make free throws. I'm interested in, and I know you got to go soon, but Sean Garrison has talked about how beneficial that relationship with Sean is. And obviously Sean can't be on the court coaching you guys yes. because of his role, but you can mm -hmm. talk with him. Yes. What, what kind of things do you guys try to talk about and has he helped you? I mean, because my freshman year was kind of similar to his. Honestly, obviously he was on a better team, but we kind of put up some of the same numbers, and we kind of had a similar game. He was a lot more physical than me, though. But um, it's just little things he just see in my game, and he'll just tell me about it and just how to fix it and what to do. Okay, so by the way, all-time double-double rankings in Tariel history for freshmen. Number one's Antoine Jameson with 13. Then you know, number two, three-way tie, <laughs> Sam Perkins, J.R. Reed, Armando Baycott. That's good yeah. company to be keeping. I know. Uh, how many games? Do, how many? Uh, like, what's the numbers? So you're at nine, uh -huh. tied with the other two. The record is thirteen for a freshman. <laughs> so you got so it's doable. Yeah, doable though. It is doable. I might got to go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should. Yeah. Yes, I think I'm gonna try to go for that. Just to even be in any history book in this school is like pretty crazy. We appreciate Armando's time. A little bit shorter interview than we normally do. Armando was pressed for time. He had to go get himself ready for practice when we were chatting. So we appreciate his time. I'm sure we'll get an opportunity for a longer chat with Armando in the future.
Adam, do you let outside chores or projects cause you to miss any Tar Heel game action? No. Good. Good. You know why? You know why Adam doesn't do that? LS Tractor helps him make short work of those projects. From normal yard maintenance to even bigger jobs, LS Tractor has the machine for you. Visit LSTractor.com and see the difference. LS Tractor, what is it about for you? What it is about for us is Adam's List. What's on the top of Adam's List? Brought to you by Top of the Hill, where Tar Heels come to celebrate. A lot of things on the list today. It's not a five-second challenge day. Oh. Oh. But I thought this was a good tweet. I believe I know what you're about to say, and I thought about doing this as well. Sean Patrizzi, friend of the pod, sent us a tweet, and I, I don't know what sparked this thought in the Patrizzi mind, but it was a good one. And... Keep going, keep going. Okay. I know what sparked it if it's what... Are you talking about the times Carolina's lost to the eventual national champion? Yes. What sparked it is we were talking about the years eh, yeah. when Carolina, or the teams Carolina had played the most often in the NCAA tournament. Right. And as we were chronicling those teams, I would mention, mostly correctly, the record that Carolina had against said teams. I bet you're right. Yeah. So Sean says he was wondering how many times the team Carolina lost to in the NCAA tournament gone on to win it all. Okay. Adam, would you like me to try and do this? Sure. Now, when are we starting this? Are we saying like all time? I think you start in 85 when it expanded to 64. Well, I tell you what, let's start in 79. Let's start in 79. Let's make it tougher. (laughs) Okay. Now, and we also count championship game losses, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's go through this, Adam. Okay. Are you (laughs) ready? Okay. 81. Yep. Because they lost in the championship game to Indiana. Mm -hmm. Not 82. Right. Because the Tar Heels won the national championship. Up with a free throw, and it's no good. Rebounded Georgetown, away to Floyd. Floyd fires, it's short. How about them heels? They are the national champions. In 1983, Carolina lost to Georgia. Georgia lost to State in the Final Four. So, no. 1984. Stupid old Indiana. They didn't win the championship. 85. Villanova, yes, won the title. Right? Yep. 86. They lost to Louisville, right? Yep, never nervous Purvis. And Louisville won the title. Correct. 87. Stupid old Syracuse. Syracuse came within an eyelash of winning the title, but did not. He's smart. Hit a jumper. 
Who did Syracuse beat in the final four? I have after topping the heels in the round of eight. I do not know. 88, Carolina lost to Arizona. No. 89, yes. Lost to Michigan. Mm -hmm. I had to go to bed and didn't see that game as a tyke. Glenn Rice. I remember Glenn Rice, who we randomly recently saw. Yeah, we did. At Florida State. Yeah. Glenn Rice, Adam, could hoop. Glenn Rice respects big grits. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does. A lot of mutual admiration there. Well, I mean, rice and grits are very similar to one another. Holy cow. That reminds me of something for the list that is important. Okay. Let me keep going here, Adam. 1990, Tariels lost to Arkansas. Razorbacks did not win the title. 91, Carolina lost to Kansas. No. Jayhawks lost to the Blue Devils, unfortunately. Good job, Kansas. 92, Carolina lost to Lawrence Funderburk and Ohio State. No. 93, Tariels won the title. Crescent City in New Orleans. 94. Stupid old Boston College. And no, of course, they didn't do anything. No. 95. Carolina lost to Arkansas. Dwight Stewart. Half court shot. This is not a good exercise, Adam. (laughs) Arkansas lost to Cameron Dollar, who I've never heard of again, and UCLA. 96. Backboard game, Darvin Ham. No, no, no. Of course, Texas Tech didn't win the title. They were spent. 97, dumb old Arizona, and yes, they won the title. Tariel should have won the title that year. Speaking uh, of, yeah, speaking 98, Tariel's lost to Utah. No, no, no. One thing I've enjoyed about getting to talk to so many former Tar Heels is how many former Tar Heels still – associate utah like they don't just say utah they're like oh freaking utah that's how i think of utah so i'm not even i've lost count of how many ones have actually have you are you keeping track okay 99 weber state 2000 don't you worry was it adamola okalaja who got the last word on harold arsenault that's right yeah yeah arsenault your time's coming adamola's looking out for you 2000 no, because Tariel's lost to Florida in the national semifinals because of a very questionable foul call on Ed Cota. <laughs> As we know, that Ed Cota's still upset about, too. Yep. Former podcast, Ed Cota. I'm Ed Cota. See you later, Big Grits. 2001. Penn State in the second round. No. This, this is where... This is when things got a little bad, Adam. No mm-hmm. 2 didn't make the tournament. 03 didn't make the tournament. 2004. Roy Williams' first year. Tariels lost to Texas in the second round because, of course. But no, Texas did not win the title. 05. The Tariels won the championship. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won. 2006, George Mason in the second round in Dayton. Jim Laranega's postgame press conference still going on today. It's the longest press conference in the history of press conference. He just took his third question right now. 
2007 underrated absolute heartbreaker Georgetown Carolina probably wasn't the best team that year I think Florida who won the title was but I think Carolina would have played them for the title had they beaten Georgetown but they didn't whoo that one got away <laughs> Tar Heels were up like 10 with two minutes left yeah 2008 was Kansas yes they won the championship 2009, the Tar Heels won the championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Sorry, Michigan. And by that, I mean the state of Michigan. I know Tar Heels played Michigan State. Sorry, Detroit economy. Yeah, sorry, entire state. Sorry, automotive industry. 2010, no, no, no. I mean, if you want to count losing to the simply the best. You're simply the best. Better than all the rest. Dayton in the NIT, then sure. 2011, another one underrated stinging because that was a garbage year and a garbage Final Four, and the Tar Heels lost in the round of eight to Kentucky, who they'd beaten earlier in the year, and Kentucky made like 100 threes in that Elite Eight game. 2012, Kansas. No, they didn't win the title. 2000. Really, the loss that year was to Creighton, even though it was a win. Don't you do it, Adam. 2013, also Kansas. No, because they lost to Michigan in the next game because Trey Burke hit a really long three-pointer. Take that, Kansas. <laughs> I believe I watched that and let some expletives go when that, <laughs> in a positive way when Trey Burke hit that three. Gee whiz, Trey! That was swell! <laughs> Holy moly! <laughs> <laughs> what year are we on, Adam? 14, Iowa State? No. 2015, Wisconsin? No. Boy, the Tar Heels were in that game against Wisconsin. In Los Angeles. Yep, sure was. Talked to James Worthy that day. <laughs> what up, big game, James? Not currently a podcast, but we'll get you one day. Yeah. 2016, yes, it was Villanova. I don't know if you remember that or not, Adam. 2017, the Tar Heels won it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champions. 2018, a very forgettable Texas A&M team. Of course, they lost the next game. After having the game of their lives. Oh, played the best game they, um, they ever played. And then last year, Auburn. No. Although, Auburn was close. Auburn should not have lost the game to Virginia. So, Adam, I don't know how many that was. That was not a fun exercise. So let's see. 81, yep. 85, yep. 86, 89. Uh, what else am I missing here? 97. 97 and then 16? And 08. Oh, and 08. So seven times. The team that beat the Tar Heels was the eventual national titleist. And one that is simply the best. Right. Dayton. The Semi-champion. Yeah. You're simply the best. Than all the rest. Okay, now, 
I don't know how I didn't write this down, but luckily that conversation reminded me. At the Louisville game on Saturday, I'm minding my own business and I'm preparing for a highly professional broadcast statistical analysis. Sure. When what should appear but Big Grits carrying a satchel? Oh, yeah. Big Grits opens his satchel and says, hey, Adam, take a look at this and pulls out some sort of magazine. Like, Big Grits, I don't have time to read right now. I'm trying to get my mind right. But then when I saw what was on the cover of this magazine, Hoop Scoop, Volume 7, Number 10. The caption of the cover photo, which this photo needs to be in the Ackland Art Museum at minimum and possibly the New York Metropolitan Museum of Art at maximum. Seven-foot North Carolina signee Eric Montross strikes a pose for the camera's exclamation point, and that exclamation point is needed because in this picture... Eric is soaring for a one-hand dunk. The ball is firmly grasped in his right hand. But where's his left hand, you might ask? Surely doing something fundamentally sound. Probably warding off a defender or giving the year number one sign to Chris Webber. Eric's left hand is behind his head in the, the lawn chair dunk. That Marvin Williams did in 2005. Yeah. Do you know, I don't know, I, I, I do know the answer to this question. Do you know how Eric got that magazine? Uh, eBay? A, an usher at the Yum Center came up and brought it to him. And he said, I found this and I've been waiting for you guys to come back to Louisville so that I could give this to you. Hmm. So this usher randomly had hoop scoop version seven article 10 or whatever and thought about big grits in seeing him doing what i believe big grits deemed the quote flying hawaiian dunk (laughs) and thought enough of him to hold on to it until the next time the tariels were there so that he could hand deliver it that usher adam so classy Eric says this was from the Kentucky Derby Festival Classic. Still a big one on the all-star circuit. Uh, I will say Eric kind of looked through the magazine and the the roster of the high school All-Americans that year was loaded. Penny Hardaway was on the second team, mm. if that tells you. And the, the first five wasn't like, oh, I kind of remember that guy. Whatever happened to him? It was like legitimate players such as Eric Montross. Yeah. First team selection. No big deal. Did you know that Eric was not Mr. Basketball in Indiana that year, his senior year? Who was it? Was that Damon Bailey? Damon Bailey. I don't see you on the Tario Sports Network, Damon Bailey. Rumor has it, Adam, that if you back then Mm. weren't going to Indiana, that you... We're not going to get Mr. Basketball. That's just some scuttlebutt that I've heard on the street. On the Indiana high school basketball circuit? Yes. 
I bet that's true. Well, Damon Bailey wasn't first team All-America. Like Big Grits was. Damon Bailey wasn't doing the flying Hawaiian lawn chair dunk to the all of the Kentucky Derby High School Classic. Who was the first team All-America? Did you, did you I, have the- I don't have that with me. It was good players, though. Good players. So we'll send out that picture because it's, it's Big Grits as you have never seen him before. Yeah. Uh, okay, we got a scary tweet from 336 for life. When I saw this tweet, no lie, my my heart plummeted because I truly thought on first glance that 336 for life had uncovered the video from the escalator in Seattle. <laughs> and and the, the tweet says, hey, uh, Carolina Pot and Jones, I think we found the video of Adam and the escalator, and it's from uh, the account Darwin Award. That made me feel good. And the caption said, don't carry too much on an escalator. And it's this guy going up the escalator, and he's got three bags, and then he just falls down on his back. No lie, when I saw this, I thought, that does look a lot like me. That's a lot of that's so, similar to what happened. Essentially, it was a very accurate reenactment of what happened for, to it, you. Like, if they were going to make a miniseries about the trip, and they needed actors to play the roles and they were going to recreate events, I would watch this and say, that's, that's fairly realistic. It doesn't have the, as my wife said, which of course she thought it was hilarious, she was like, well, you can't see you falling back into me and like taking out everyone on the escalator and then just laying there until they push the stop button. I said, oh, yeah, well, that's a fond memory. So thanks so much, 336 for life. You gave me a moment of absolute terror when I thought that was the real video. Uh, Kate Leslie, I thought this was a good point and something we have not talked about. I don't know that she meant this necessarily for the pod. She talked about how much she had missed Seventh Woods this year. If if Seventh Woods the Seventh Woods is here this year, does Carolina make the NCAA tournament? I certainly think that they would have been more successful without Cole Anthony earlier in the year when he was hurt. I think without a doubt. And, uh, I mean, I think knowing what we know now on how this season has gone, I absolutely think that he would have been a big part of what Carolina would have been able to do. I mean, I think I think he was going to be a major player anyway. And we've seen this some with Leaky Black and Cole. I think maybe this year would have evolved to a point where he would have been starting with Cole Anthony in the backcourt to have multiple ball handlers out there. So we had Seventh Woods on the podcast. I liked Seven. He was a very quiet guy, but a very nice young guy. I wish he would have stayed because I think it would have been better for Carolina. I think it would have been good for him. It's hard to say it would have been better because I don't know what his situation's like at South Carolina. And you always hate for somebody to leave, especially when they're as quality a person as Seventh always appeared to be to me. I think maybe the Tar Heels are an NCAA tournament team if he stays for both on-court and off-court reasons. But I also think at minimum, that's a reminder that anytime someone comes or goes from your team, you don't know at that moment what the implications are. When 7th Woods left, everybody kind of thought, oh, we like 7th. 
But I mean, the the Tar Heels are in good shape at point guard. You never know. You never know. Uh, many many emails on how to fix the notes in your phone, Jones. Yes, this was this was a topic that people were ready to attack. So let me first give a shout out to Josh Divig, who was the first person to give me the update. You go to settings, then to notes, and then there's an option that says new notes start with, and you can change it right there. You can change it to just be the regular font. But Adam, also need to give a tip of the cap to Rusty Sebastian, to Gary Divers, to D. Smith, who all sent emails on how to fix this. Rusty's even included like diagrams yeah. and photos and things circled yeah. so that I could not mess it up. Rusty didn't think you could handle just the words. Yeah, I know Jones. He's a visual learner. He needs these charts. Yeah. Gary Divers also wasn't content just to fix your phone. He also wanted to let me know about roundabouts, which he says are far superior to four-way stops for two reasons. Number one, people will instinctively learn how to use a roundabout pretty quickly. Go to any place that's had them for a while, and they flow with ease. But four-way stops have been around for decades, and people still don't know what to do. Number two, when a four-way stop works the way it's intended to, everyone has to come to a complete stop. When a roundabout works the way it's intended to, nobody has to stop. Gary, I respect your opinions on traffic, and they are in line with the governor of our fair state, which we know. Yep, former podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper. See you later, big grits. I respect your right to have those opinions, but they are insane. Uh, Another email from Lindsay Carroll. Lindsay says, uh, I got a chance to watch the heels with my parents today, and my mom brought me a stack of old newspapers that she'd kept from my high school sporting days. I noticed that this article from the Cary News says it was written by Adam Lucas. Would that be you, Adam? Me. This article is about a battle between Inlow and Athens Drive in softball. Yes. Indeed. A lot of uh, high school sports coverage in the early days of the writing career, which I really enjoyed. And I tell people all the time, like, that's how you learn how to do this. Is you, and you did similar stuff. You have to do stuff like that in order to be able to do anything else. And most times, and I'm sure Lindsay was the same way, the people you talk to doing games like that are so excited somebody's there to cover them. You get great stories, great just interest because it's stuff people are invested in never has the carry news had finer coverage of its high school sporting teams than in that stretch that was in the glory days where if you did it right look this is about the hustle you could cover the same game and write three different stories carry news news and observer durham herald get paid three times for one game if you were doing it right and didn't tell the other employers that you were doing that. Okay, last thing. Matt Stone sent me a message about something I had forgotten about. 
but that was an important part of my life, and I have a feeling that you probably remember it. Mm. Do you remember Crazy Calls? No. Okay. Look, go to YouTube and look up the Crazy Calls advertisement. This was like an infomercial, and it was a cassette tape that you could put in your answering machine, and it had, for example, one of the kids' answering machine was before voicemail. And so your answering machine would pick up the phone and it would play a recorded message that you had recorded. Like, hello, this is the Lucas residence. We can't come to the phone. Please leave us a message and we're, we'll get right back to you. We're busy at CVS. That's right. We're, we're getting our ribeye coupons ready to go to the store. We're busy covering uh, some hot high school action. But if you were cool and saw this infomercial, you could put their cassette tape into your answering machine and when someone called you and it rang four times and then your machine picked up, they would hear, for example, Beethoven's fifth, but it would say, nobody's home. I do, that made me kind of remember it. Nobody's home. But the best one was the rap. Wait for the beep. You got to leave your name. You got to leave your number. Wait for the beep. We never had the Crazy Calls cassette. But I feel like if we had, that would have been awesome. Hey, how are you? Sorry that I'm not at home. But when I get the message on my telephone, you'll be the first one on my list. Crazy Calls, a tape of seven different songs and funny recordings for answering machines. I am very sorry that I'm not at home to take your call. Leave Only $14.95. When I will get right back to you. Leave your message. Leave your message at the top. Give someone the gift of gab for their answering machine. Calling a friend. What you've actually done is bought a one-way ticket to the answering machine zone. Nobody's home, nobody's home. I'm glad you called, but I'm not home. But I'll be back before too long. You gotta Crazy Calls, a tape of seven different songs and funny recordings for only $14.95. Wait for the beat. You gotta leave your name, you gotta leave your number. To order. Wait for the beat. I'll call you back when I get I'm surprised you didn't just do your own version of the crazy calls on your answering machine. I always wanted my parents to let me uh, record the message and like the start of the message would be hello. And then just sit there and don't say anything and right. like confuse the other person. Hilar so, yeah. Hilarious, Adam. I, 10 to 12 year old Adam thought that would be probably the height of humor. My parents wisely thought that would not be a good idea. So the Angel family never had the Crazy Calls cassette. No, no. I think ours was much more standard. Just straight ahead. Yeah. I also enjoy the, you know what to do. Yeah. Like, hey, that's when you're cool. I right. guess some yeah. people may still do that on your voicemail. Yeah. Do I, let me tell you how wonderful the invention was of the voicemail transcription on yourself. Is yeah. there anything I want less than to listen to a voicemail at this point? Do you listen to voicemails? I, what? Why is it? Why is it that I feel like listening to a voicemail is so inconvenient? I know. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> For 40 seconds. <laughs> 37 seconds. Why don't you read the Magna Carta? Yeah. Well, I never felt like I could pull off the like, yo, this is Adam. You know what to do. Beep. But I would have liked to have been able to. It's like giving the hang loose sign. Yeah. I feel like... 
the same person would do both those things. I'd be equally impressed by both of them, but I know that I probably couldn't have pulled them off. I got a question. How come sometimes it can't transcribe certain voicemails? Yeah, it gets confused. Why can't? But no, like you'll get the cannot transcribe this message. Why why not? I don't know if I've ever gotten that. Oh, you've never gotten that? Maybe I've got a flaw. Rusty, Sebastian. Again, update your phone, Adam. Maybe that was in the update that took place in 2016, so I haven't gotten it yet. But Rusty, Sebastian, if you know how to do it, send me some diagrams on how I can always transcribe the voicemails because... Look, we all know I'm not listening to the voicemails, but if I can read them, I might do that. Okay, a couple uh, couple of tweets. Donnie sent this one in, said, Awesome interview with Bob McAdoo, minor trivia. Hmm. He said that uh, in the interview, Bob mentions his coach in Italy. That was, according to Donnie, Dan Peterson. Peterson is the uncle of UNC MPA graduate Eric Peterson, longtime current town manager of the town of Hillsborough, and that Dan, the coach, is highly respected among elite basketball coaches. So, I don't know if any of that is true, <laughs> but if Donnie says it, then we'll agree. You know what part is true? That Bob McAdoo interview was good. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned the Magna Carta. Abram Graham from across the pond <laughs> sent us a tweet and said, look what we drove past today. And it's a sign of the Magna Carta. It is Carrie Elways's <laughs> backyard. It said, sight of the Magna Carta, eight centuries of the rule of law, 15th June, 1215. Yeah, that's so do you think that this sign is in Carrie Elways's backyard? Is that where the Graham family was? I guess. <laughs> Kim Nielsen sent us a tweet and said that she went to go see the Bulls play, mm. made a pit stop beforehand, and was going to have a beverage, Adam. Well, we can say it here on the pot. <laughs> a beer. <laughs> beer. <laughs> and on her menu, saw a beer called Roadhouse. Roadhouse. She said, obviously, that's the one she got. Kobe White proceeds to go off for 33 points, which Kobe did in back-to-back games. And she says, do we think these two things are related? She thinks yes. Kim, so do we. Wasn't it great seeing Kobe at Notre Dame? Yeah. Made me happy. He was good on the radio at halftime. Just seeing Kobe White. So friendly. Makes me happy. Story time, Adam. Mm, Okay. It is from, I have to tell you, Adam, this email and story totally threw me for a loop when I saw it. Mm. It is from Dan Blank. Mm. First, before we get Mr. Goosehonkers fired up, the title of the email is, And I Hate Roy Williams Story Time. So, of course, Adam, as Dan very sneakily did, he grabbed our attention right away. Yep. Because we needed to know, Adam, if we needed to get ready for a how can you justify Yeah, that's right. Get Fran on the phone. Because I think everybody learned that we will get our fire emojis ready to go. 
So, Dan Blake, I don't mind telling you, when you wrote this, the title of this email and I saw it, I was like, boy, Dan's about to get a piece of my mind. But, Adam, there's a twist to this story. Let's go on the journey together. Fire up Mr. Goose Honkers, because Dan's story starts like this. The date was Thursday, February 3rd, 2005. (laughs) Adam was wearing pleated khakis and a sweater vest. Not that different than today. I was about to say, really about like today, the pleats, maybe not. Everything else, yes. 15 years later, it's an easy date to remember because each aspect of it is pertinent to the story that is about to unfold. The Heels were hosting the North Carolina State Wolfpack that night. Adam, just like the Heels are tonight. As one of the men's hoops beat writers for the Daily Tar Heel, I remember this is Dan's story. I was excited to be courtside that night for the quote unquote rivalry game. It was also just three days before Super Bowl 39. You like my quick uh, Roman numeral? Yeah, that was in Roman numerals. Jones had to get that one. Between the New England Patriots and Philadelphia Eagles, a matchup that I, and I'm going to assume I'm not alone on this, was thoroughly unexcited for. And because it was Thursday, it meant I, again, this is Dan, was having lunch at Sutton's. Our good friend John Woodard owner of Sutton's, former podcast, for their bi-weekly hot dog special with my friend Al. And this was exciting because the hot dogs at Sutton's are delicious and that special was awesome. As we sat down with our dogs, we were discussing the upcoming Super Bowl. The entirety of the two-week buildup to the big game had been focused on whether or not Terrell Owens would suit up. He would play after in his words, being, quote, cleared by God. I don't remember that. Ten days in, we were both suitably exhausted by the will-he-won't-he speculation. For those that don't remember, T.O. had broken his leg in a particularly nasty horse-collar tackle by the Dallas Cowboys' Roy Williams. Because my friend was a lifelong, die-hard Cowboys fan, I decided to have a little fun at his expense and said in a deadpan, jokey voice, I hate Roy Williams. Deadpan jokey's hard to pull off. I hate Roy Williams. Like, that's not jokey enough. As the words were escaping Dan's lips, I looked up to see Jawad Williams. Jackie Manuel and Melvin Scott glaring down at me as they walked by. It was classic sitcom timing. And let me tell you something. You don't fully appreciate just how tall 6'9 is and how low those Sutton booths are until you say, I hate Roy Williams, within earshot of Jawad Williams. I tried to salvage the situation by saying to my friend, but loud enough for more people to hear, You know the Roy Williams on the Cowboys, not Coach Roy Williams. But they had already walked away. Although it was already February, I had only gotten to know most of the guys so well 
considering they opened the season in Maui and the DTH didn't cover any games over the winter break. So they certainly recognized my face, but didn't know if I was just another reporter looking to tear down the coach or the program. Adam, do you know any reporters like that? Sounds like Dan does. I had only done a handful of one-on-one interviews to that point, the most noteworthy of which was a full-on disaster with he who shall not be named. A 13-minute debacle in which he spent half the time staring in the opposite direction, mumbling one- or two-word answers to questions specifically crafted to not get those types of responses. Now I was the guy who went out in public to express my distaste for the head coach. Adam, do you know anyone who would do an interview like that? Yes. I spent the next several hours before the state game wondering what sort of reception I might get from the seniors in the post-game breakout room. Melvin and Jackie both had quiet games that night, so they were brought out to speak. They were not brought out to speak to the media. I did, though, have a chance to clear the air with Jawad after the other reporters left his table. In classic Jawad, by the way, former podcast fashion not only was i able to explain what actually happened but he gave me the best quotes for my story the next morning that focused on marvin williams the freshman star who was claiming a chunk of his minutes it all worked out okay but it certainly taught me a lesson about what you should say in public even if it wasn't about the roy williams adam Good story from Dan and a reminder that Jawad Williams is a good dude. I bet if Jawad Williams, if Dan or someone like Dan would have actually said this about actual Roy Williams, Jawad would have come to blows with that gentleman. He would have set that fellow. He would have that's right. He would have let him hear a piece of his mind. Jawad's so classy. Up until the time that it's not time to be so classy. Yeah, anymore. it's like Roadhouse. Right. Yeah. I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. Well, uh, how are we supposed to know when that is? You won't. I'll let you know. Adam, do you have anything else you would like to discuss today? Not today. All right. Later in the week, we will talk about the NC State game. We have. Adam, another terrific Tar Heel who will be joining us. A Tar Heel whose number is in the rafters of the Smith Center. Looking forward to that. And I'm sure a lot more. But for now, we're going to let Armando Baycott and the RZA get us out of here on the latest edition of the Carolina Insider. I'm Armando Baycott. See you later, Big Grits. <laughs> When I was small, we had nothing at all. We used to eat grits for dinner. Pound box of sugar in a stick of margin. A hot pot of grits kept my family from starving. Steamy hot meals served less than five minutes. Big silver pot, boiling water, salt in it. House full of brothers and sisters, the pot's missing. Pilgrim on a box on the stove in the kitchen. When I was small, we had nothing at all. 
See you later, Big Grid. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Tar Heel Sports Network. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.